Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Lately, we've all been craving buckets. No, we don't just mean the ones on the court. We mean the fried chicken kind. So we did some thinking. Baseball has hot dogs, football has nachos, and now that basketball is back, it only makes sense to name Kentucky Fried Chicken its official food. Listen, basketball players make buckets all the time. KFC makes buckets all the time. And theirs are filled with fried chicken, like the famous original recipe, or crispy popcorn chicken, or even juicy tenders. So that settles it. KFC, the official food of basketball. Order at kfc.ca and get it before tip-off. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Over Everything podcast presented by KFC. I'm your host, William Liu. Joining me on the podcast this week is uh, the accountant slash the slander god, the man of uh, two personalities, uh, Mr. Swar Lasers, Mr. Asad Alvi. How you doing? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. How you been? I've been good, man. I've been good. Listen, people want to know because, uh, you know, I've been trying to get you on the podcast. Uh, you know, you're definitely one of the regulars, but... Uh, you know, you've been MIA the whole quarantine. So what have you been up to the last four months? Are, are you living okay? You know, people want to know you're good. Yo, man, I'm just, uh, I'm just uh, masked up, locked up in my basement in Milton. Please do not call anybody. I'm just doing accounting work. I'm not doing anything <laughs> else here. It's completely above board. <laughs> I'm just a brown man in a basement doing people's tax returns, okay? <laughs> um. Wow, that sounds like a, a lot of fun. Have you? Uh, so I, I got to ask you the standard reporter questions. Um, you know, as a as an avid basketball player, and I, I don't say that jokingly. You play all the time. Uh, what has it been like this quarantine? Not touching a basketball, not shooting. Uh, are you expecting some rust? Yo, it was what? rough. So for me, honestly, like I like I went from playing like two to three times a week, and for me, mm-hmm. like basketball is a big stress buster. It's basically like the only exercise I do. So mm-hmm. like for me, like just seeing a ball go through the hoop is like that kind of clears your head and man like the first couple of weeks were rough so like i i remember like after the second weekend I, I went to like the local park before they shut the parks down and i just got a couple shots up here and there yo we're talking about like march this is march right we're, we're talking yeah, about march. march bro so it's like it's like five degrees celsius outside you're getting shots up yeah so it was still a little okay. cool like i think it was raining a little bit still and i'm like all right let me just get some shots up with my like hoodie on and everything this guy's nick south is mississauga man legitimately uh and then after that like they shut the parks down so i was like i can't play ball and it took me like i think it was like two or three weeks after that like sometime in mid-april i'm like yo screw it i need to get a net because i can't do this like i need to get shots up and Mm. every single basketball net across canada has just been sold out you try to (laughs) buy one it took me three weeks because i'd be awake all throughout the night doing work anyway just because my work hours were shifted uh-huh. And I just have Walmart, uh, Amazon, uh, Home Depot, Home Hardware, because they sell basketball nets sometimes. Okay. And I'm just Canadian Tire, just refreshing the stock Damn. every single day. And then I think this, like, <laughs> this guy's trying to buy a basketball hoop like it's a sneaker drop, man. What's going on? You're building yo, bots? So I, I started that, what, mid-April? It took me till the end of May to find uh-huh. one in stock. 
and it was literally at 3 a.m. in the morning. Walmart did a refresh of stock. I oh, bought it man. by the morning. It was sold out. Like, I'm telling you, it, it was nuts. Basketball is going crazy. Yeah. So once I finally got a net up, I started hooping outside my house. But, man, it's been a brutal. Not being able to play ball, like, there was a lot of rust. I, like, I'm now able to shoot out to, like, three-point range consistently. But mm. I'll be honest, I'm on that Chris Boucher diet, man. I put on the 15 pounds, you know what I mean? Oh, man. All right. Well, we're just going to get to it right off the top. Is that what's happening? I'm just saying, I put a $10 bounty on Will's head, like, <laughs> three years ago that someone should smack him whenever they see him. And I think I'm going to owe Chris Boucher 10 bucks. Uh, that, yeah, still no, no, live, back... by the way, still live, still oh, live. Okay, all right. I mean, yo, people actually see me on the street in Toronto, man. Uh, quite a few people have uh, pointed out my large head, like it's a CN Tower. There's only two landmarks in Toronto: it's the CN Tower in my head, just biking around the city. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. Chris Boucher blocked my shit from two thousand kilometers away, man. I mean, that was unfortunate. I mean, you know, um, if you haven't seen it, Chris Boucher. Took exception to uh, one of my tweets when I said Chris Boucher still needs to add another 215 pounds. Uh, the context here is that the man got bodied by a guy named Wayan Gabriel. Uh, Asad, do you got the scouting report on Wayan Gabriel? Uh, this guy's like a plays, 65 on 2K. He plays for one of the three scrimmage teams. I don't know which. <laughs> <laughs> He's, he was on the Blazers. Look, I, I, I really, really like to think I know all the players in the NBA, but... Um, this one, so he's, so he's not Nasir Little. He's not L- Nasir Little. No, he, he's, okay. yeah. Anyway, whatever. It, it's just, uh, he got bodied in the post and I was like, okay, you could probably add a little bit more strength, but, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It looked, it was, it was bound to happen one of these days. You know, I, uh, uh I don't know. I, I tweet a lot and, um, not all of it's nice. And yeah, so I, I apologize to Chris, man. Listen, I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. You know, I'm like a huge supporter of the Raptors. I, I want everyone to do well. Chris has done well this year, free agent year. Finally got on some weight. He's talked about how difficult it's been for him to just to pack on mass. It's not like he's never tried to do it. You know what I mean? Like, he clearly is just one of those guys that has like a wiry frame. It, it'd be like telling KD, like, yo, come back looking like Giannis next year. It's not realistic. So, uh, my bad, Chris. I hope everything's good. Uh, I don't know if I gonna ask him a question on these zoom calls i don't think i'm from rds montreal so uh you know i, I don't really uh parlay en francais but you know hopefully everything's good that's that's my statement that's my statement you you can go ahead and uh add whatever else you need <laughs> to be honest i would just want to say that i've always been a chris boucher fan mm-hmm. um i support him all the way 100 percent uh you know 100 percent pure from the motherland uh okay <laughs> One hundred percent for Chris Boucher. Uh, if he wants to smack Will Lou, I'll happily do it for him. Chris, just just give us the give us the thumbs up, um, and then you know I'll 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 be out there posting ten highlight videos from different angles of Chris Boucher dunking once. Wow! No, yo, Chris Boucher is gonna be sharing ten IG stories of you slapping me, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be like that LeBron game winner in Game Three over OG, like how ESPN somehow had ten different angles for that shit. Why? <laughs> Why? How many cameras did they have in that arena, bro? How did you have 10 angles of this? Uh, I hated that game. Um, no, but actually, uh, uh, real talk, though, actually, uh, big shout-out to Chris Boucher, actually, for calling out Draymond um, earlier this week when Draymond had Masai uh, on, uh, I guess, one of the new TNT shows um, where Draymond's sort of hosting. And, uh, you know, he kind of posited the question to Masai, basically, like, why do you care about Black Lives Matter when it doesn't affect you guys in Canada? And, and Chris sort of, you know, pointed out that racism is 
uh, doesn't stop at the uh, the border. It doesn't, uh, you know, stop at Sarnia and turn its way back. Like, it comes over here too. So, I actually salute Chris for, uh, you know, speaking up, especially as a, like one of the, I don't know, I guess there's many Canadian players nowadays in the NBA, but especially on the Raptors, he's got a prominent voice using it as well. So, shout out Chris. Um, you want to talk about scrimmages? Uh, let's talk about scrimmages. Um, okay, so first off, um, is there one guy that stood out to you the most from the three scrimmages in which the Raptors beat the Houston Rockets, beat the Portland Trailblazers, and then uh, lost in, in, I don't know, I guess, lopsided fashion to the Phoenix Suns? Uh, uh, anyone well, who stood out? It's got to be my favorite player, Chris Boucher. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wait, uh, wait, no. did, you, did you enjoy when he got bodied by Frank Kaminsky <laughs> and I couldn't say anything? I got to say that was a, it was a rough showing. There was, I think that, that game was the one where Chris probably looked like uh, the entire team looked out of it, but like mm, the awareness yeah. on defense and offense was rough, uh, rough sledding on that game. But uh, I think the, the player that showed out the most, like that showed the most was a hundred percent OG Ananobi. Okay. Like I cannot believe the strides he's taken with his mobility on ball. Like just like that handle just tightened up enough where, and his footwork has tightened up enough where his, like just on ball, he looks like he's moving at a completely different speed than he was before. And it makes him look so much more threatening mm. with the ball outside of a catch and shoot scenario. And it's just like, like it blew my mind where I'm like, Oh crap. Where it went from, eh, maybe OG's going to be a really good starter. Um, like, project out to a good start where oh crap this guy could be an all-star in two two years potentially like like that's how much it okay. changed my vision of what a ceiling for him would be uh because it was a stark like him driving at full speed uh and hitting like back-to-back crossovers sharp crossovers and being able to move left right like that uh if it gives you any like just given his size it reminds you so much of Kawhi, which is like i know like the 99th percentile comparative to give him mm-hmm. but like that's what it looks like at that size that speed to be able to move that fluidly and yeah these are simple crossovers or whatever they might be but the fact that he did not have this in his game three three months ago four months ago whenever we went into lockdown mm-hmm. uh, that was incredible to see because it just changes his entire role as a team it makes him so much more dynamic as a player and that was by far the most eye-opening thing to, to see out of the scrimmages yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I, I'm really leery of that Kawhi thing, man. It's just too high of expectations. But um, no, I agree. I think in terms of which guys showed you the most new stuff, I think OG, you know, I mean, it, 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 he's always, he's had a little bit of that a, a drive against a closeout, like a really bad closeout. Um, and then OG's able to take one dribble, get into the lane. You know, he's had some really good dunks that way, even going back to college. Some of his best dunks are. Uh, someone's overzealous on rotation, and the OG's able to get inside a dunk, really take off. Um, but, I mean, the point is, like, when have you seen him cross a guy up, right? And that's that's what you saw in that Portland game. Uh, I mean, look, it was against Zach Collins and Mario Hazonia. These are these are not, like, all-world defenders. Um, I, I mean, Zach Collins not that bad defensively, to be honest. I think he's actually decent. But um, to see OG actually cross a guy up, change directions a couple times... Um, you know, get in, inside position on the guy and then finish with the reverse layup through contact. Like, this is just stuff that he wasn't doing. And I also like the fact that, you know, when OG drives into the lane, he's not panicking either um, because you could see him drive. 
uh, get one or two feet in the paint. If a third defender comes by, we've seen him actually move the ball effectively as well. Again, we're talking about a small handful of assists from scrimmages, but I, I liked what I saw in terms of, you know, once OG was able to drive into the lane, there was also a game plan. It wasn't like, okay, I'm just, now I'm here, I'm going to dart to the rim and try to get inside for a layup and, and be wild. I thought he was more under control, which again, is just not something that OG's had a lot of is control, right? And, we were kind of talking about yet, like lack and, of balance and shit. And yeah, and the control, especially, but I think one of the things that's the nicest thing to see it, and it's not like at some like LeBron level of playmaking or whatever, but just the ability to be able to go into the paint and knowing this is my first option, this is my second option, this is my third option, which we saw on a, like a couple of these plays, he would get into the paint, go baseline, and he knows where all three of his options are. And you can see him like he's still doing them pretty slowly, but he knows mm-hmm. where the options are and he's making the right read. And I think that is something that, like, if you can add that, like, if he's able to add that to his game, it opens up a lot for the offense, for what he can contribute when he's out there, right? Because mm-hmm. um, I know a lot of times, like, usually, like, we saw it with Surge when Surge started um, being just a pick-and-pop threat to pick-pop, attack the closeout. So now he's able to pick-pop, attack the closeout, and then make the pass, or the read off the short roll, whatever it might be, right? Yeah. So to see OG be able to make those reads already um, pretty cleanly, and it's weird because it seems like he's like it's very clear where he's throwing the pass. Like he's really like leading the pass. Yeah. Uh, but he's able to been get get off those simple passes so far. So and most likely he's going to be closing out against the weakest defender on the other team. Mm-hmm. Um, so it should be interesting. Um, I think he it it makes it a lot more difficult to switch between him and Siakam or him or uh, a small if. Um, he's setting a pick just because if he's able to attack that closeout, he's able to body people off really well. So he was incredibly impressive to me. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, I, I mean, earlier I kind of talked about how, you know, he's crossing up Mario Hozoni and Zach Collins, but those are going to be his assignments. Like the, the, the best defenders of the, I mean, I guess. Like how Portland different is that than Dante DiVincenzo or like, mm. Like, are you going to hide Kemba Walker on OG Ananobi now? I mean, that's the thing, right? And I think, you know, the other thing with OG is we, he also has a bit of a post game, too. I'm interested to see how he can sort of uh, handle that. I mean, right now we're seeing a lot of, because he's really strong, he can get to good positions, but he looks a little bit awkward, and I think it makes it a little bit easier for guys to flop against him. Just a little bit. I think there was yeah. one of those, I forget, one of those three scrimmages where he got a great post-up move, strong move, the guy just flopped and, and got the call. Um, I'm also kind of interested to see that because I, I, I definitely do think that if he gets into the paint, you know, he can really just uh, move a guy down there. But, um, yeah, I, I like what I saw from OG. I think, um, you know, it's also interesting, again, because it, it's so hard to anticipate who can really come back strong in this sort of quarantine setting because, like, I'm not expecting a lot of guys to be working on their game that much when, you know, you can barely leave the house. Uh, but, yeah, I mean... You know, it seems like OG found a way to somehow improve. Maybe he's doing that Jimmy Butler dribbling the basketball at 4 a.m. trying to improve his handle thing. But, um, yeah, I'm I'm impressed with OG. Uh, I I think, you know, from the other guys, I I guess Mark, we should talk about Mark, I I think, next. Because, okay, so I wouldn't say Mark was, like, dominant by any means. He wasn't. Uh, He played only 30 total minutes. I think he maybe scored. What did he score in total, man? Um eight points <laughs> in those two games. But 
Uh, I think in that Phoenix game, there were stretches there where it looked like Mark was just a lot more energetic. And there's a couple of things where if you don't look at necessarily the, the box score and look at just how the game was going, uh, Mark looked, you know, more energetic. What did you think about Mark? Uh, in these, I think uh, the, I guess the, two, two... the two biggest things from Mark got to be like, like one, like clearly like he's lost weight and he's moving way faster. I think mm. like the, the most, the most eye-opening play of the entire scrimmage was I believe it was during the this last game against Phoenix mm-hmm. where he ran stride for stride with Kyle Lowry on a fast break. Right. Kyle, Kyle got the rebound under the rim, starts pushing it, and Mark's running ahead of him. And Kyle never closed the gap because Mark like actually ran into – got all the way from paint to paint um, without like losing a stride, which is something I haven't seen because usually he's pretty lumbering getting up and down the court. Mm-hmm. That was the first thing. Um, the second thing to note is just like – his decision making when he catches the ball, he was so much more aggressive looking for a shot. Where yeah. he's like, he's catching and just letting it go. And I'm like, that is something that like we have not seen at all from Marcus as a Raptor. Like I've never seen him catch a ball and first, first, first thought shoot it. And now he's like he I think took like four or five threes, which were just like he caught it and he just took it without even trying to fake a pass. Mm-hmm. Which is like if that's the mark that you're going to get, like, I think just mentality wise, it's a lot better to get. And he's clearly been more like he has an extra step now that he can actually attack a closeout or he can actually like get by his post defender a little bit. Mm. Uh, Cause he was drawing foul. I think in the very first game, he was drawing fouls like left and right. I think he ended up with like a fair number of seven, throws. seven, yeah. free th- seven free throw attempts. He only hit three, but uh, obviously yeah. we know he's a good free throw shooter. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like that, man. I mean, the, the the ability to attack from the perimeter is is nice. Um, you know, you have it to a lesser degree with, in, with Surge. I think Surge has shown an ability to get into the middle of the floor. And he made some nice passes, too. So, shout out Surge for doing that. But uh, I, I think, especially with Mark, you know, he has that confidence. He has that ability to, to move through the lane. I mean, and then when you have a seven-footer suddenly dribbling by a guy who's closing out, you have to help, man. I mean, he's going to finish otherwise. You have to help. And he's such a good pass in that situation. Um, you know, he's able yeah. to make the play and, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, it was, I think it said a lot that the first, what the first play he had in that, in that Portland game, which is the first game he played of the, of the scrimmages, um, his first play was trying to roll hard to the basket for a dunk. And I'm like, <laughs> what else has he done that, man? Um, you know, I mean, I'm not expecting think... a ton of dunks, but that, that was nice. And, to see and the thing is that. like with Mark, like. Even like we're no one's gonna expect him to be the the center of the offense. Like he's not gonna be someone you like expect as your first or second option on offense at any point in time. But mm-hmm. just him looking more energetic and being more in shape, it's gonna allow him to be able to do all the stuff he's gonna do on defense, and mm-hmm. then still have some legs to take that three pointer or catch the ball, attack a closeout, take two steps, and make the next move. Where last season and especially early this season, you saw it's like defensively Mark would be fine, but then he gets up on the offensive, he's got nothing left in him. Yep. So, like, that's probably, I think, the biggest thing that we'll be able to see. Um, and against teams like the Bucks, especially the Celtics, I think having Mark being able to actually take a dribble or two and not completely, like, lose all advantage um, is going to be really helpful if he can, like, you know, punish a mismatch. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I'm, I'm, I'm very excited. Also, I like the fact that the hair has grown out. Uh, <laughs> no, that's that's listen. That's a pro fat boy move, man. You got to grow your hair out. Uh, it makes you just look a little bit more balanced. That's just just a fact. Um, that's why I keep my hair long. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, you know, 
the one thing with Mark, so he, the, the, it was interesting that he had bad plus minuses in both games. He was uh, minus nine in the uh, Portland game, which was the worst mark of any Raptor, and minus 15, uh, which again was the worst mark of any Raptor in that Suns loss. Um, not looking into plus minus at all, it, it really. Uh, what I'm just trying to say is that I, I think it kind of reflects the fact that the big, the two center lineup, you know, it worked, I think, but at the same time, it also looked kind of awkward at times, you know, uh, you know, Mark and Serge on the floor at the same time. Seems like, you know, there's definitely advantages for sure, but at the same time, you're also giving up a couple of things. You're also kind of asking one of the two guys to sacrifice and take a step back. I think, um, you know, in that first Portland game, I think Serge was a little bit more involved. And then in that second Portland, in the second game, uh, Mark was more heavily involved, but you're not, you're never going to see both guys, um, featured prominently just because it's not really possible. Um, yeah. You know, no matter, basically you just have one center in the lineup and the other guy is basically just being a, a floor-stretching power forward that yeah. can catch a shoot. Yeah, I think offensively the two-center lineup isn't really like it's not giving you any specific advantage because neither of them are going to pound the mismatch. I, I, do like, I do like Siakam as a three, though, being with the post yeah. up a little bit. but Yeah, but I think I think it's more just like – being able to put that lineup out there so you can match up defensively. Like it is 100% only for scenarios where the other team has two bigs where the other team has two bigs, like against Milwaukee, you're going to have to do it where you throw that lineup out there. Um, and then, you know, offensively you remain viable while being mm-hmm. able to defensively do your wall stuff. Um, but I do think like theoretically, like if you want to max like it's not maximizing either of them really. It's like, okay, if you go to that lineup, are you going to punish the mismatch with Siakam? Maybe. Um, if you're not punishing the mismatches that are being created, like unless it's required for us, like the Raptors to play defense, I don't know if there's really a reason for it to be out there. Like, like you could replace one of them easily with a wing, and I think you mm-hmm. get the similar results. Yeah, I mean, we saw a little bit of that with the with the Suns game, where you know it, it was always like Surge or occasionally Mark. Closing out to Cameron Johnson or um, Devin Booker, and that doesn't fully make sense. Again, this is a scrimmage, so I mean, you're just out there experimenting. Like OG's taking pull up mid range shots, like bro, uh, it's not that serious of a Yo, game. Yo, if that if that mid range way went in, I was just gonna log off for the day. I'm like, all right, I'm oh, done. You, you weren't you weren't gonna Photoshop some cornrows on a, a OG and then, you know, one hundred percent. I'm just like, yo, we're all likes. in. We're all in. Changes number too. Um, yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I, I, I think the big lineup, I, I agree with you. I think defensively is the biggest advantage. I, I do think that like they did at the, pro- okay. So a lot of the shots didn't fall, but I think the process of it was good. Like they did get a lot of good threes, open threes, and they just didn't hit those shots. And I think that's going to ultimately come down to sort of if the Raptors fall short of their goals this year and a lot of these playoff games, it's going to be because it's going to be because a lot of these threes just don't drop. Um, the Raptors are, even with Mark sort of handling things and directing traffic, I think that improves the offense, definitely. But they're not an elite offense. I don't think there's anything they can really do to be, like, fully elite, like, top five. Um, but I, th- I think, you know, they do create enough three-point shots where they create enough variance uh, to, um, you know, to, to be competitive and to win a lot of those games. Um, and that's the, th- that's the weird thing with the with the big lineup is that the defense really sat back and and. and you know, uh, defending the rim. So there are open threes. And honestly, when you, when you start Kyle, Fred, Mark, Serge, Pascal, like all five of those guys are shooting 36% from three or better. So 
you know, those are good. Those are good shots still. Yeah. And I think one of the weird things with the five out lineup is when you have both your bigs outside the three point line, it actually makes it easier for the defense to like kind of play one guarding both mm. because just cause they're so big, it's easier to get to them because um, yeah. the space in between them just won't be enough like this between the players. Um, so when you have like five out lineups with like two bigs, it's like in general, it's usually just like, Oh, one big can go down low while the other one's out. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But in this case, like if you have Siakam posting up and kicking out of the double, um, you have to really be quick with those. Like that ball movement has to be pretty crisp and that shot decision has to be pretty crisp to get that advantage. Cause if you have surge on one wing passing to Gasol on the other wing, like in theory, it's not terribly hard to kind of like zone up on one of those sides easily just cause it's a big guy you're able to kind of get there pretty quickly. Mm. Do, do you think Do you think it matters if it's Fred at the two guard or OG? At least offensively. I think defensively you, you might prefer OG, um, unless the other team has another small point guard, in which I think Fred might be better at it. But um, offensively, do you think it makes a big difference? Because it, it seemed like Fred was a little awkward with that with that lineup. It, uh, I think, well, Fred was just rusty, like, the entire scrimmage. I think, like, okay. across the three scrimmages, he didn't have his feet under him he clearly didn't have legs on his shot really he was finding a shot the entire time he looked mm. a little slow to be honest he looked a little labored while he was running even before yep. the knee injury mm. uh, so like with with fred i think like he still has to kind of find himself i think we're probably going to get some rough fred games to start off these um these first eight seeding games because um, i think him and norm were probably the two that looked the most like just um like that didn't have legs per se okay yeah out of the group um, Norm kind of found a bit near the end, but I still think he was like still you're still a little bit low on his on his lift on those jumpers. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how that goes um, rhythm wise. But so I don't really take much away from the scrimmages with those two. Um, mm-hmm. Whether OG or Fred, it just comes down to how much playmaking do you want, how much stretchiness do you want? Because Fred can really stretch you out to like thirty feet. That's true. Um, what 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 do you think about Norm? Sort of now, so it's pretty clear that he's going to leave the bench unit. Um, you know. Seems like in a lot of these practices, it's the, they're putting the starting five together, um, and, and they're getting a fair better run. But it's going to be a lot of norm leading, you know, lineups with multiple bench players. Um, I, I guess for me, I guess it, it looked like he, it, it looked like there was a little bit too much playmaking responsibility on Norm, and that's where I'm always a little more concerned because I, I just think if you have someone on the floor to set him up, it's just he's way more effective as a finisher than as a creator. Uh, but maybe this is a long-term play too. Maybe you know if Norm can have that, uh, you know, it, it, I think the best six men aren't just necessarily guys who can score. But if you think about a uh, Jamal Crawford or Lou Williams or like a uh, Mono Ginobili, those guys can also give you like five assists, uh, and that's something that Norm, you know, just doesn't have in his game right now. Uh, so maybe it's a development play. I'm, I'm not really sure. What do you think about you know Norm basically being more of a playmaker off the bench rather than as, as a finisher with the starting five? Yeah, it's it's tough with Norm to kind of figure out what it is because the thing is like with Norm when he's like with the starting five and being used as a finisher, mm-hmm. it like it like yeah you're maximizing your off like he's probably the best offensive weapon you have in that scenario. But then are you kind of wasting touches for Siakam? Are you wasting touches for you know like Lowry or Serge to kind of get going uh, by using him with Norm? Um, and Norm is probably out of those players. Norm is probably the easiest one to like you're not going to bench any of those guys. Norm's the easiest one to put to lead the bench unit. Cause you can't really lead the bench unit with OG. Mm-hmm. There's always the argument with Fred, but nurse has his reasons for starting Fred. Uh, 
I mostly believe the reason for starting Fred over Norm is to be able to spell Kyle on defense. Uh, I, I agree. I agree. That's, I think, the 100% reason why they do it. Uh, but I think Norm, like, if he's able to do it, I think having Mark back will help if they can kind of, like, overlap their minutes a bit um, mm-hmm. to help with the playmaking. I think OG being able to just add a, that little bit of handle to attack those closeouts, maybe he can do a little bit of driving kick against weaker bench units. Um, but, yeah, Norm as a playmaker is always going to be the same issue where it's just kind of like I don't even think it's much about Norm as much as it is about your bench unit doesn't have five guys that require – being guarded right Mm because if you start trapping norm if you start putting two or three defenders on him when he goes in the paint like are you trusting ronde on the kick out (laughs) are you trusting (laughs) so that's the big one there so uh i'm not too concerned about it but again the bench is always going to be an issue uh Mm -hmm. however it is whatever like it's always going to be the weaker unit because that's just how benches work um, I know in the past we had weak starters, so our bench units were better than the starters. But um, <laughs> no, this is a better problem to have a, have a worse bench. Exactly, um, and you know we'll see how it goes. But I'll be honest; like I, I think it's a good problem to have having to pick between Norm, OG, and Fred as your fifth starter in a closing lineup. So, yeah, now the closing thing is more interesting to me um, because. Yeah, I mean, you have there's options there. There's definitely options there, um, and all three of those guys have performed pretty well in crunch time this year too. Uh, yeah, I mean, the one thing with Norm is just you know, if you bring him off the bench and you're bringing Serge off the bench, it's a little bit harder to get Norm and and Mark together on the floor. Uh, but I do think that honestly, Mark's been out of the lineup so much this year that everyone's had to build way more chemistry with Serge, and I think Norm and Serge, even though they're not natural, you know. Um, it's not a natural duo. It's not like Mark's a playmaker, passer, and Norm's a finisher, so that makes sense. Uh, obviously, Serge and Norm are both finishers, but I mean, I feel like there's been a couple sequences this year where even those guys have had pretty decent chemistry just because they've had to play together so much. So I actually don't mind that. Um, yeah, I, I'm not too worried about Norm. I think mostly, again, uh, I agree with you. It's it's mostly the um, the conditioning and sort of just everything else to go along with it because Norm was at a point where... You know, when he drove to the basket, could still do that bully ball stuff, could really explode um, and, and get to the rim finish. Uh, it was really just a three-point shot was not going in for him. I think he was like one for ten the first two games. And Norm had a lot of good looks, too. And, and he was just super automatic at the start of the season, or basically throughout the season. Um, and so I'm, I'm expecting that to come back with his conditioning, kind of like Fred. Um, so Matt Thomas, um, I don't know if it's just propaganda or not, but he really impressed me. Um, not maybe not in the third game because no one played well in the third game basically, but uh, the first two games I don't know Matt Thomas was arguably the Raptors' best bench player. What was going on here? Uh, yeah, I think against other scrimmage lineups, Matt Thomas looks great. <laughs> like I, I have no doubt that Matt Bro, Thomas put can some, average. Put some respect Yo, on 2017 I, G or uh, Summer League uh, Lakers uh, Summer League game. MVP. Was he MVP? I don't all know, I know, is, met... all I know, is he dropped like thirty twice. Like he went ham. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I'm a big fan. Math Thomas is like number one. All right. <laughs> but legitimately, like Matt Thomas, like I, I have no doubt that he could average thirty five a game in the G League. Like zero doubt. Because I think, oh, yeah, yeah. I think his offense, like his issue is bro. Not... Jimmer for Jimmer for that, like he's he's way better than like a Jimmer for that. And Jimmer, I think, was averaging like, like Matt's Matt's biggest issue is just like getting getting kind of like bodied off of screens or not being strong enough against certain defenders, and like his foot speed's a little slow. So like that's his I mean, biggest his, issue. 
His issue is he had to occasionally guard Russell Westbrook or James yeah. Harden. <laughs> Those guys exist, and uh, you know, Matt's—you can see him palpably panicking uh, a little bit. Yeah, like I don't think he's ever—I don't think he's a regular rotation piece for this year, but he's definitely like, like he's a plug-and-play guy. And the one thing I think that's most positive is he's shown that no matter how many minutes he's getting, he's still going to be able to hit shots. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was impressed though that he was willing to kind of take those curling threes, um, just mm-hmm. coming off a curl catch and just letting him go no matter what his feet kind of look like. Um, mm-hmm. I think earlier in the season, he was being a little conservative with letting the ball go. Um, and scrimmage, at least he was a little bit more positive and taking those shots, uh, whenever they were available, being aggressive with his shot and hunting for it. And mm-hmm. also just kind of attacking the closeout and doing a little bit of playmaking. Cause he's actually a nifty passer. Uh, he definitely has uh, the ability to kind of read the defense in front of him to make the correct pass. So that was a good thing to see. Um, I, I, I do think though, against like top tier NBA defenses, I think it's a little tough for him to be able to create many advantages other than just being a three point threat. But um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, and, and, you know, I, I tweeted this out after the, 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 the Suns game, but it feels like now that we're seeing a little bit more of that ability to pull up off a high screen, uh, from even 30 out, and of course that a little bit of playmaking, as you mentioned, like you know, I, I could kind of see the development path for him forward to being kind of like one of those weird shooting guards that are in a point guard body. And I'm thinking guys like you know Patty Mills, uh, you know Seth Curry, I guess is also kind of one of those guys. And those guys are actually really good at their jobs. They're they're really good, valuable contributors. They're in the rotation, despite the fact that Patty Mills is a bad defender. Uh, he's he's active, but he he sucks. Okay. Um, you know, and Seth Curry kind of the same deal. Uh, could you kind of see that as a path forward for for Matt Thomas, where you know it's, it's one thing to just be a, a, you know a, a mini Steve Novak, but if you can also handle it and pull uh, off the dribble, then all of a sudden, and, and of course create just a little bit because people are overreacting to you all the time because they're so eager to close out. Uh, can you see that sort of? Uh, I can see that a bit. I think he's yeah. more probably like. It's really easy to make the comparison, but like the real build out for him is JJ Reddick, right? Like okay. that's that's more or less like if he's able to like you know get in better shape. Like obviously, like he's he's put on muscle, um, mm-hmm. which has helped. But like the one thing that you see with all these shooters is like if you ever check the arms on some of these shooters, they are toned. Like Seth Curry, Steph Curry, both of them. If you look at their shooting arms, like when mm-hmm. they're actually letting that thing go, that thing is ripped up. Um, same with JJ Redick, it's pretty ripped up. So they're incredibly toned, like from the arm down, basically. So I think with Matt's the same thing. I think he came in a little bit, like looked a little bit uh, on the lighter end at the beginning of the season. Um, yeah, yeah. And that that extra tone just helps you get the shot off faster. Um, helps you kind of like bump through more screens because you're gonna that's he's gonna be a curl guy in the NBA, right? He's gonna come off no, like, three or four screens, catch and fire that thing. Uh, but yeah, like I think like his role on offense is probably going to be something like a JJ Redick or a CJ miles type where, you know, they kind of come in, you know, defensively, they're probably going to be at a disadvantage, but like create as much havoc as you can on the perimeter as a three point threat that like, it makes those minutes valuable. Right. Yeah. And I do like what you said about like him, you know, being more confident and, and jacking up more shots. Cause I feel like if you're a great shooter, then, and Matt Thomas is a great shooter. If you're a great shooter, you got to take some bad shots. Like, yeah, like straight up. Like your yeah. role on offense is to get the threes up. Like if you're if if you're a special if you're a three point specialist, either you are being guarded in such a way that is creating advantages for the rest of the team, or you are jacking up shots. Because like if you're a minus defender, you're not 
like to go out with the mentality on the court, like, okay, I'm just going to try my hardest on defense and not make a mistake on offense so we can survive these minutes. Then you're wasting your talents, right? Like it's the same way. Like when JV would go out there, like JV is like one of the best role threats in the NBA. It's like, okay, you're out there for maybe 20 minutes coming off the bench and the, the 30 games he was with us go out there. We're going to run like four pick and rolls for you. And you're just going to score every time down, just maximize those minutes that mm. those like these high, like these high octane offensive guys have. And that's like, that's the same math that they do with six, uh, six man candidates, right? Like Lou Williams, Jamal, Jamal Crawford, when those guys are out there, like their, their number one role is get your shots up. Cause mm-hmm. like, this is your number one NBA skill. Um, so we trust it. So just go for it. Cause that's how you're going to make up for the other end. Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, and to your point about the Redick thing, like, I think Nurse has said before that basically, yeah, they've given Matt Thomas some JJ Redick tape to, to study. I think, you know, Matt Thomas is pretty aware. He's a pretty smart guy. He's already studied uh, JJ. I think that's kind of his prototype. And honestly, if you look at Redick's career, like, he was a late bloomer as well. Like, you, you know, he obviously averaged like 30 in college and was like ridiculous at Duke, and everyone hated the guy. Um, you know, but now, like, it, when he went to the NBA, even though he came in as a 22 year old, you know, coming off like 30 point season, still averaging like six points per game, couldn't really crack the rotation. That Orlando team was really good too. Like that was nearing the time where they had just like you know, obviously Dwight, Jameer Nelson, Richard Lewis, you know, Hedo. They were going to the finals and stuff. Uh, I guess Courtney Lee was missing uh, alley oops against the Lakers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you, you must have been th- you must have been thrilled at that play. <laughs> but they could have gone up like two 0 right or whatever and. I know they would have gone up two one. I think they were up one one at the time or something like okay, that. Okay, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, so that's that's an unfortunate play. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, Redick in the first couple of years, six points per game, four points per game, six points per game. Like, it wasn't like he was a guy who you know broke in right away. And and it's not dissimilar to sort of the numbers you're seeing from Matt. Obviously, Redick is a guy who has a crazy work ethic. He's really built his career, and I think also the game changed towards like what Redick is stronger at, and that's why you're seeing even though. What he, in his thirty fourth, uh, age thirty four season, his like you know thirteenth in the league, he was averaging eighteen points per game with the uh, with the Sixers. Like there was a kind of a maturation process, and you have to really master everything. But um, uh, I, I like the direction Matt's coming with, and again, um, coming back stronger after this quarantine is just difficult, especially when he said he didn't have a hoop to shoot on for two months. He's basically you, man. This guy was probably yeah, on what did, Walmart what did he shoot, trying like, to buy a hoop. Did he shoot like fifty seven percent on threes during the scrimmage or something ridiculous? Like he was just like jacking them up, like. Uh... Like it is, it is absurd. I think I think the one thing, the biggest key with Matt Thomas this entire season is, after he hits his first three, you see the entire team, their entire mindset becomes get Matt the ball, because then yeah. you'll see like every possession down is just guys like in transition, they're hunting Matt Thomas, where it's like, all right, Matt, Matt not even may not even be looking for it. It's like no, just be open because mm-hmm. we're gonna hunt you out. Because he hits one or two threes, teams start panicking and. That's a that's a skill to have. So hopefully he's able to kind of tap into that. You get a couple of games like that in the playoffs, where you know he comes in and does a spark plug. That's like incredible, right? That's all you really need. Like, uh, it, like the biggest the biggest way that you can think of how a shooter can completely change a game. If you remember uh, Game Three of the 2017 Eastern Conference Finals, we went into the third quarter. I think it was like we were up by like a point or down by a point. That was the game where the Raptors hit no threes. Kyle was out the entire season against the Cavs. Mm, and the yeah. fourth quarter starts with Kyle Korver hitting three straight threes <sighs> coming off girls because DeMar's yeah. just losing them on screens. And it was over because I think we only hit one three that game. It was Corey Joseph in the corner. Uh, fun times. <laughs> Yo, I, I don't understand some of those teams, man. Like, we were consistently getting beat 
you know, like by like 30, 40 points at the three point line against the Cavs, who obviously were built to get threes. And the Raptors were just like, let's get DeMar a mid range shot or he draws a foul. That and game was just... absurd because it was like up until the, the DeMar had 37 in that uh, game, too. So it wasn't even like a bad uh, game. It was just like in the fourth quarter, the Cavs were like, okay, we're just going to hit threes. Mm. <laughs> and it was over. Yeah, dark times, dark times. Um, you know, I, I, I would say we could talk about Pascal or we could talk about a Serge or, or Kyle, but I thought those guys were all good. Like, Pascal, I think, offensively, you know, showed up. You know, he was kind of going half speed. Uh, but was Pascal, to, decided, uh, Pascal decided to work on a different skill every game, which is hilarious. Yeah, yo, that was, was like, <laughs> the first game, he's like, all right, I'm just going to practice uh, post-ups and passing out uh-huh. of double teams. Uh, yep. The second game, he's like, all right, I'm going to attack big men from the perimeter and just jack up these threes. Mm-hmm. And the third game, he's like, all right, mid-rangers, just straight mid-rangers. Let's do yep. all of them. It's like, okay, Pascal, we see what's going on. Yeah, no, it, it's... Practices. No, this was a real 82 practices kind of performance from from Pascal. I thought, yeah, I mean, he, he was impressive. But, like, there were some loose moments. I think the turnovers are high. But those are things that are, like, super correctable stuff. Like, he couldn't enter the ball into the post to search for some reason. He kept throwing that shit away. I think he just wasn't that focused. <laughs> it is what it is. Again, it's a scrimmage. I thought he was fine. Serge, obviously, super sharp. Again, just a consummate professional. Came in, was great. Picked out some nice passes in that Suns game. Uh, and then Kyle was Kyle, like, this man took two charges in the Suns game. Like, yeah, it's, it's a sickness, really. Like, come on, we don't need to do that. Right, as much as I love you, Kyle, but like two charges, really. Um, Kyle coming it, with the Kyle coming with the long longer hair and the leggings, just looking like 2016, is mm. just incredible. Like, it's been completely heartwarming. The guy's coming in great shape, and he's he hit. I think the most eye opening thing was Kyle hitting a three curling to his right. Mm. So he always they always run that play with Kyle curling to his left the last couple of years because it's easier to yeah. get off as a right-handed shooter you curl to your left it's easy to it's in your natural motion you kind of just jump off your right foot it's an easy shot to take right um going the other way though curling right um it's across your body you have to square up it takes a lot more energy so yeah. like being seeing him able to hit that shot with legs is like the first time i've seen it since like 2016 maybe 2017 uh when kyle was like still had young legs and was really in shape so that was that was a sight for sore eyes. Where I was like, "Oh crap, we got something going on here." But Kyle was incredible. Those scrimmages. Oh yeah, Kyle was easily the best player for the Raptors in all of them, especially with Pascal going half speed. Um, and with yeah, no and- fans, and with no fans, it's become so clear that like Kyle's the loudest dude in the gym, where he's just <laughs> yeah. barking constantly. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it, man. This is this is great, man. Um, you know all those, all those. Actually, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm gonna lay off, uh, lay off jokes for a little. Bit. Just, 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 just okay. I gotta remember I'm a professional. I was gonna make that. Uh, the, all, the those, all those, the, all those, the miss, all those, all the, all the Miss Duckins and stuff. Oh man. Um, no, I was gonna say, yeah. I mean, now that Kyle can golf like every, every, every single day, um, I oh, think great. this is gonna really keep his mind right. That's all he wants to do basically is play basketball and uh, take charges and golf. So I think he has all of that at his disposal. Uh, is there anyone else on the roster before we kind of move on to actually previewing games? Um, did you want to talk about, uh, you know, TD had some moments. Uh, Rondé had some moments. We, we got extended looks at Paul Watson uh, and Stanley Johnson. Um, and, and I guess even DeWan Hernandez. Anything on those guys? Uh, honestly, I just I just hope the best for Stanley. Um, <laughs> I really I really do. Honestly, like it got to a point where like, it was clear that he was like, first of all, he was being forced to play third string oh point God. guard, uh-huh. like which is like it's just a tough thing for anybody to do. Like he's playing point guard 
uh, in the, like the garbage time minutes and he's having to bring the ball the whole way. They aren't able to get their set going. And it's like, all right, Stanley, create something or it's a shot clock violation. So it was a tough position, but man, like he went on a streak of just like consecutive bad, bad reads where it just started looking really bad. Then he missed a layup and it, it airballed a three. And I was like, oh no, what, like, what's going on? <laughs> no, no, he hit, he hit the bottom of the right backboard on a straightaway three and then airballed a mid-ranger. And I'm like, come on, Stanley, you can do this. Uh, then he came through with the and one layup. Like Stanley, I think the biggest thing with him, I don't know whether it's a lack of confidence or whether it's just he hasn't been able to get much playing time, but it's been a lot of him forcing. And it's like, man, like, the pieces are there clearly. Like he's able to get advantages. He's able to do things, but for whatever reason, they're just not coming together right at all. And um, you know, I just hope just for the has... best for him. No, listen. I hope Stanley enjoys Citron peppercorns because uh, he's he's going to be with the Citron uh, Flying Tigers uh, soon. Um, no, I mean, I, I just think he doesn't have a role to play. Right? Like it's so yeah. he comes into the game and it's super confusing what he's trying to do. At least like when Malcolm Miller comes into garbage time. He's just spacing the floor and shooting a three, right? Whether he makes them, misses them, doesn't really matter. He's playing a role. Uh, Dewan Hernandez or Chris Boucher, they're running around. They're getting rebounds. They're doing big man stuff. Um, you know, what is Stanley Johnson's role? And, that, and that's been super confusing. I think that's that's the thing where it, I don't really think he has an effective skill set. Okay, well, he, actually, that, that's just the end of the sentence. I don't think he has an effective skill set. But, like, and I, I, I think don't think he... But it's difficult, right? Like, if you're coming in garbage time, it's really hard for him to leverage his best skills. Like, he's a lockdown defender. Okay. Who are you lockdown defending yeah, in garbage won't. time, man? Like, like that's not something that he's able to, like, showcase mm-hmm. at that point, right? And offensively, like, we know he has limitations. So I think it's a tough position for him to be in, and that's why it looks the way it looks in garbage time. And then that's why fi- fans start piling on him, which is kind of unfortunate, but, like, I get it. Like, if you're out there and you're the only person able to dribble the ball up the floor in those minutes like like your job is great for other people other people aren't gonna the other people on the floor aren't gonna be able to create looks for him like like mm-hmm. chris boucher um paul watson malcolm miller o'shea Brissett. those guys aren't going to be able to create an advantage and then create a look for him potentially right yeah so it's difficult for him because i think he's in a no-win situation playing in garbage time uh but you know hopefully he's able to find a role i think he still has a skill set that's useful in the nba it's just I don't think he's necessary right now on the Raptors based on the personnel. Like, you're never going to have a moment in a game with everyone healthy where you're like, I'm going to put Stanley Johnson in. Yeah. Because I need well, his skill set. You don't need his defense because there's yeah. better defenders than him on the roster, many better defenders. And not even and just better defenders, but, like, people who might be equal defenders but just have more, like, an, of an offensive fit. So you're just going to play them over him, right? So Yeah. I mean, this isn't like Detroit where they're like, all right, we need, we need, we're facing LeBron the first round. Let's put Stanley Johnson out there as much as possible. Like, you know, it, it's not like that anymore. So um, I, I do hope that, like, I, I do still believe that there's something there. Like, you know, he's clearly, I think he has a good attitude about it. Uh, you know, he's he's gone down to the G League. Um, obviously, he's taken a lot of hits. And whatever, like, how much worse play. would be he be as a player if his role was instead, like, um, be a lockdown defender and dunker spot on offense? Like, I think he'd yeah. be fine, but that's not a role that he can play on this team right now, like, just based on... Well, other especially guys not in garbage have. time. Yeah. yeah, and in garbage time, it's never going to happen, so he's always going to look bad. So, like, it's unfortunate, and, like, I know in the past I've piled on him as well, and I just kind of realized, I'm like, oh, he's kind of screwed. Like, his, like, there's no, like, opportunity for him to actually showcase the things he's good at or to be put in positions to succeed. Mm-hmm. He's kind of 
kind of has to do what his role is, is just kind of like fill these minutes to bring the ball up, which is unfortunate, but you know, that's what it is, I guess. Yeah. Again, Stanley, man, listen, if you need, if you need help with chopsticks, let's just let me know. Uh, I, I got you. Um, yeah. Any, uh, yeah. And then the rest of the stuff, I mean, you know, there are bench guys. There were some up performances or some down performances. Uh, nothing stood out too much, I guess. O'Shea's vlog was pretty good. Um, you know. Oh yeah, had, yeah, yeah. He had the line. He had the line of the week. You know, not Brampton, not pick, not Brampton, not Pickering, <laughs> so, not, <laughs> not Scarborough. Saga, Saga Mans, yo, Mrs. Saga. No Brampton, yeah. no Pickering, no nothing. No. You didn't Rex. Uh, damn. Shout out Square One Mall. Still waiting for the first time. Central player to... Parkway Mall. Oh man. Yeah, you guys are basically neighbors. Um <laughs> no, I mean uh I'm still waiting for the first NBA player to shout out at Tobacco. Um It's gonna be it's gonna be tough, man. It's gonna be tough. I I we're gonna be waiting for a while, man. I mean I, I think Leo Rounds might have been the closest guy from Etobicoke. <laughs> uh you know, listen, I know there's some good basketball players in the Rexdale, okay? And then and then I mean I guess they'll be right from Rexdale, but Rexdale's I guess still technically a Tobacco, but um, yeah, n- not holding my breath on that one. Okay, let's look ahead to the schedule then, because the Raptors actually have games coming up. Uh, it's really super weird. The Raptors play uh, the Lakers on Saturday for their first game of the eight seeding games. Um, it seems like AD is gonna play. He's uh, put on a pair of goggles, so people are calling him Kareem um, because he scratched his eye. Uh, yeah, I mean, first off, I mean it's hard to predict because. You know, you, you just don't know the level of motivation. So how hard do you think on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being, um, you know, LeBron, uh, you know, down to the Boston Celtics with a hateful look in his eye, looking at Jason Terry, um, you know, and and one being basically uh, Raptors' son's scrimmage. Uh, how hard do you think the Lakers are going to be going in, in that first game? I don't know how hard they're going to go. Even if they do go hard, like – they're not going to play LeBron and AD more than 30 minutes. Like, there's no okay. way they're playing LeBron and AD 40 minutes, and their roster is not built to, I think, win against top teams if LeBron and AD don't play 35, 40 minutes. I mean, shit, even if they just have LeBron the, doesn't play 30 minutes, because yeah. who, who else is making plays on this team? Like, I, I'm, like, legitimately confused. I, I You know, is is it really going to be Alex Caruso? Like, like, and also, they're, like they're grooming KCP like, to handle the ball? Like, what? Even if this is, like, a finals preview, like, I'm not too worried. Like the Raptors have the best number 23 and number three on the floor. So it's not exactly like a competition, but uh, no, like I'm sure the Lakers are going to come out. Really. It's like with the Lakers, I think like the Raptors match up defensively with them pretty cleanly. Like Mm -hmm. it's nothing too difficult. I don't think they have much to guard us with outside of like their bigs. We'll probably get a good look at that big lineup though. In that first game, which should be fun. um, Interesting. Cause the Lakers are big as hell. Uh, so that'll be, that'll be a fun look. I don't think they're going to go too hard. They have the one seed basically wrapped up. So mm-hmm. like how hard are they really going to go in that game when they've already picked up a win against the Clippers the night, like a night or two before that. So cause they play the Clippers first, right? And then they play us in yeah, their yeah. second game. Yeah. And the Clippers, yeah. I mean, lose suspended base or not suspended, but quarantine. Yeah. And the thing game. is, if the Lakers win that game, they're up five games on the Clippers at that point or whatever, then it's over, right? So they don't even mm-hmm. have to worry about uh, even, like, the distinct possibility of losing a seating, like, losing their seating. So yeah. I don't see them going in too hard. They might do some, like, war- like they'll, they'll play LeBron 30, 32 minutes maybe, and that's about it. I think the Raptors win it um, all out. But I don't know. Maybe Nurse tries funky stuff in that game. 
try practices a finals defense out for like five minutes. Well, I mean, you know, I think this is one of those games where if the Raptors really want to take it, I think it's there for them. Um, yep. And it's, it's really just like a, if you want to put one of those wins in the bank, uh, because I don't, I don't think the Raptors are that much worried about the seeding or anything like that. The three-game cushion in an eight-game um, uh, slate of games is pretty sizable. Um, you know, obviously they got that game against uh, the Celtics basically in the middle of that. But, um, yeah, I mean, if they, they want to take this game, they can take this game. I mean, to, to your point, I mean. No and hopefully they do because it's nice to have that continued winning streak against LeBron's Lakers. Uh, yeah. Because they have not beat us yet. Um, and not forget beat us. We've whooped them. I think almost every single time. Yeah. In Including with uh, Chris Boucher, Ronnie Hollis, Jefferson, uh, and, and Terrence Davis. Like did Terrence and had, Thomas 20? had a five point play in that game. Like, like bro, Terrence bro. had 20 something on him last year. Surge had like a perfect game against them. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> right. Yeah. He started like 14 of 17. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, he was fourteen of fourteen and the game fourteen of seventeen. Yeah, that, that game was nuts. <laughs> they gave up a thirty point game to Sergi Pocket. It was amazing. <laughs> yeah, I think that was I think Siakam beat like uh what's his name? Kuzma with like a spin move like four or five times. Like it was like, yo, Kuz, bro, please stop, man. Stop trying to be an IG thought and just like really play some defense, man. That was please. one of my favorite quotes from the summer. It's like uh, uh whoever their coach is, Frank Bogle. He's like, yeah, honestly, Kuzma's look like the best player out there in our practices so far. I'm like, damn, your practice players must suck. <laughs> so say, yo, that's something you just keep to yourself, bro. Uh, hopefully Kuzma doesn't go off against the Raps. All right, don't blame us for if that happens. But um, I also kind of doubt it. I think the Raptors play good defense. Um, uh, then what do the Raptors play after that? Uh, I think they play the Heat. Is that right? I should do some research. Yeah, Raptors heat on Monday. Uh, so this real, is a real long weekend for the Raptors. Real professional production. Uh, listen, here. bro. I'm you know I, I'm just here for controversial tweets, evidently. Um, yeah. So Monday, Raptors play the Miami Heat, one thirty p.m. Uh, on a long weekend. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't know, man. A lot of a lot of Raptors. A lot of uh, Raptor fans gonna be watching this from the cottage, I guess. Um, you know, is that something you do? You go to the cottage? I've never been to a cottage in my life, man. Like. Oh. <laughs> So you're also an immigrant? No. I lived in Medicine Hat for three years. Is that what cottage life is? I don't know. Like, <laughs> yeah. No, that, 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 I mean, we've talked about this before, but that must be so scarring, man. Like, I don't know what you did other than Bruh, stay home and you don't want to know. You do not yeah. want to know. We keep that for uh, different podcasts. <laughs> yeah, that sounds terrifying, man. That sounds terrifying. By the way, when are you going to do that, uh, that, account, that accounting podcast with, with Alex? Hey, hey, hey. Eyes emojis. Eyes emojis. Okay, soon okay, come, right. soon come. Okay, all right, all right. All right. Okay, all right. Uh, uh, Stephen LeBron Radio. Yes, sir. seriously. Shout out to Stephen LeBron Radio. Um, I think I'm on again this week talking about Bruce Lee. Um, so, yeah, it was cool learning about Bruce Lee. Uh, okay, so Raptors, yeah, Raptors Suns, 1.30 p.m. Um, I don't know. I mean, I feel like it's pretty winnable. Like, um, you know, I, I I watched a bit of that Miami game where they, they played uh, the Grizzlies in, in the scrimmages. Uh, they kind of got their ass kicked by the Grizzlies. Um, Andre Godal is getting dunked on online. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, what do you, what do you think of this game? I mean, again, I don't even know how to read any of these season games. Again, I don't, I'm not terribly worried about the Raptors against any Eastern Conference team other than the Bucks. I think mm-hmm. going into any game, the Raptors are able to win it. I definitely think the Heat in particular is just a matter of get out of that game without getting injured because okay, they're fair. a dirty ass team. Uh, 
but yeah, like it should be fun. It should be an interesting game. It should be cool to see how, you know, Siakam's able to score against that team. Uh, I think, again, the Raptors have all the matchups. Like they, there's no real matchup disadvantage against the Heat. Um, we're able to guard them in theory. So mm-hmm. it should be a fun game. It's a good tune-up game. But it's like one of those games where it's like, I see it the same as like historically how Raptor Portland games have been, where it's like, you know, it's going to be a competitive game. Um, mm-hmm. And then depending on which which set of shooters get hot, that team wins, right? So right. I definitely think that we're we're due for a good shooting game against Miami, though. Like, we can't keep Yo. missing open shots against this, like. <sighs> Bro, they, they give up just as many open threes as the Raps do, all right? Um, it's kind of similar philosophies in terms of their, their zone defense, something like that. They're, they're... But, yeah, I mean, like, Raptors, man. I mean, they, what, 6 of 44. That that game is etched into my memory, man. Because I, I hate that game because the Raptors' defense was so good that they were still competitive. <laughs> and I'm like, I just want to tune out of this game, man. Please, <laughs> like, let me do something else with my time. Let me, like, wash the dishes or something. Like, let me just see Malcolm Miller out there for 12 minutes so I can wash the dishes. Like, um, no, but that game had to be competitive, and it was real painful. Um, yeah, I, I think it was interesting because I, I actually went back and rewatched both those games uh, recently because, you know, uh, there was a four-month layoff for the NBA. So as an NBA reporter, I had to do some of these things. Um, and I think the one thing that was interesting was, you know, there's kind of, they took two completely different approaches to guarding um, Jimmy Butler. The first game, they sent consistent double teams at him, hard double teams, even though it was OG guarding him, which is decent matchup. Um, they were sending a lot of doubles and, uh, and, and Jimmy was able to get like 12 assists just by passing either to just shooters on the wing or uh, Bam Adebayo sort of on the short roll situation. Uh, and I think that's where the Raptors' defense really struggled. Like, they gave up 120 in an overtime loss. Um, and then the second game, they played Jimmy Butler more straight up. OG sort of, um, again, like, they, they, they sent help, I guess, because it's still Jimmy Butler. But it wasn't, like, aggressive, over-aggressive kind of defense. And the Raptors held them to around 84 points. So um, I'm looking forward to, you know, Nurse not trying to overplay it and just going straight up because I think that's probably the best way. If, if Jimmy Butler is going to be shooting 30 times, or like twenty times, uh, I think the, the the Heat aren't good. I don't think Jimmy Butler is good enough offensively to beat the Raptors uh, shooting like twenty twenty five times. Uh, yeah. Assuming he doesn't go to the free throw line like fifteen times, which he's kind of been doing all year. Yeah, and I think one of the most interesting things from the seeding games is going to be see how like how they get refereed because I want to see how the referees kind of react with like stars playing full minutes with no fans because mm. it it does make it like probably a less hostile like environment that's true to, like i would expect game, make calls they should be able to hear better so the little yeah. slaps and little things like that they should have more available to them in terms of making decisions so um i mean it should be even right like yeah like the calls should actually be even like there should be no home court advantage to calls i think that's just kind of nice like no more having to play a td garden where you can yeah, no hear, more uh, no more no more shenanigans with tight rims and stuff like that also just like i don't know if you've had this issue but i've been watching these scrimmages and i don't know how they're micing these courts yeah. But it is like you're getting so much like boxy noise from like just mm-hmm. like the shoes and the steps and like the actual like dribble of the ball, which I don't remember that ever being an NBA broadcast before. I don't know how they've mic'd them, but uh, it's been a little I think weird. Were, I, I think they were legitimately trying out a lot of stuff. Like obviously yeah. we saw it in that Suns game where they're like they were superimposing the Raptor claw over like Javon Carter. And I'm like, why do I have to see this, man? <laughs> Uh, like my cat's going crazy. He thinks it's a cat toy with all these like little lasers going around. Like, um, yeah, I mean, you know, I think it's a new experience with NBA too, right? Like they're probably trying to figure out what looks decent on the broadcasts. Uh, the zoom call that did not work. I I don't want to be on another zoom call. (laughs) 
<laughs> like, why do they have these freaky fans in the stands, man? Just like you have graphics up, like okay, just well, let's use be the honest. Well, let's be honest. Let's be honest. What? You're what? you're just jealous because your head won't fit in one seat, <laughs> and they're like, you have to pay for two seats. <laughs> Yo, play run it back. All right, just play run it back <laughs> in the background of these games, please. We need the exposure. Uh, I think Chris can watch it from the bench. Like, you know, there's a lot of things that could be happening with with, with this. I'm just saying the video board idea with the fans, I get it. You want to get fans better. But, like, what are the fans doing? They're just sitting in front of the computer, like, watching the game. Like, it's kind of lame, man. Like, just let the fans watch the game properly. Yeah. Put some nice it's, graphics. It's it looks one of those freaky. things where it's like, it's like one of those things where it's like, if you're sitting at home watching TV, it looks weird. Mm-hmm. And then for, like, the players, like, are they seeing the fans there? Because that's also yeah. a little weird. Uh, I don't know if the players need to see the fans there or not, whether it adds anything. Because uh, mm-hmm. I know soccer, what they did was they just superimposed the fan for the TV broadcast, right? Yeah. So, like, for them, it, so that way, at least, like, the, the part that your brain would automatically ignore, it still looks normal. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the TV broadcast, I think, like, having the fans there is hit or miss. I don't terribly care for it. It's whatever. Uh, it would be cool, though, if you're able to, like, if they're able to plug in the fan noise. Um, and like, you know, you have crowd noise for good plays or bad plays or whatever, mm-hmm. but they could also just pre-record that to be honest. It's whatever. I don't think anyone would notice. That's true. And that's what they kind of done in soccer too. Um, I guess they, yeah. Um, I don't know. It, it just seems excessive. It, it's, it's a little black mirror esque. And also, um, yeah, I just, I don't see what's wrong with just putting regular graphics up, man. And, and, you know, if you think about it, like, okay, so we have these, like, weird, crusty, Wii Sports-looking fans in the background. Like, <laughs> imagine you had another Kawhi moment where he hits this shot and he's he's leaning, and that Kawhi photo is legendary, but instead, this time, you're just seeing, like, 15, like, you Pixelated know. Pixelated uh, heads. <laughs> yeah, like, what the, <laughs> that, lo- that would look <laughs> terrible. I would rather just have, like, a Clipper logo in the background, as much as I hate the Clipper logo. That that would at least just look proper. This, yeah, yeah I don't know. It, I will it, say, it looks worse than two K. I will say the superimposed um, graphics on the court, though, I'm not terribly against because, like, if they're still going to use that bland court, I don't know if they're going to actually do the home kits. I don't think they they are going to use the court kits, right? Because I think that might be too much for them to change up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like from game to game, because I think it takes three hours to do the changeover for the a court. Yeah, but, there's um, no, there's no point. Yeah, so. Just having the graphic though, visually, I liked having the graphic there because it kind of like fills out that court. Because damn, does it look bland? Like it straight up looks like the Pan Am Games, like <laughs> the Pan Am Games court. Where I'm just like, man, what about watching? Like just open scrimmage, just like the NBA 2K loading screen when you're downloading the game. It's horrible. Yeah, uh, for real. Also, I, I my whole thing was like they put the Black Lives Matter on the court. I just wish they put it either also on the bottom side of it. Mm-hmm. By putting yeah, it on the exactly. top, like it gets covered by the players. Like, why wouldn't you put it at the bottom side so it's always there, right? Like, as the yeah, I agree. Twitter, but you know, well, oh, actually, the one question I do have, I do, I, I am curious if they're gonna have a, a, a type of Jurassic Park setting. Um, I, oh, because we might actually be able to do that. Because I'm saying, like, again, the Toronto just moved into phase three um, of the recovery. Um, again, you know, you don't want to like. You don't want to jump ahead and sort of, uh, you know, spring up and open up too quickly and, and things might not necessarily um, go your way and you might have an outbreak and stuff like that. And that'd be terrible. But at the same time, like, if you're outside, like, you know, there's something you can do, you know, with that idea. And I think that would be kind of cool. And if so you can have, like, a Jurassic be, Park it might, idea. It might be chilly by October. Eh? <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I mean, yo, bro, we were watching games in, like, April, man. I mean, how many times was I out there with, like, sleep going on, man? Like... 
come on. So I was I was out there with Fred Van Sleet, okay? So what was it? I think um, it was like the second round series against Cleveland, the first game. We had a leak in the roof because we had an ice storm. Oh, <laughs> and, none of, oh, and none of the fans were in their seats because like nobody could get through traffic. Yeah. Um, Fantastic. And I, th- I think the scoreboard was also wrong or something like that in oh, one of those. I mean, maybe that was the oh, yeah, playoff series. Yeah, they manual scoreboard, right? Yeah, yeah, like they had Herbie Coon like counting down the numbers. <laughs> like it was like five, four, three, and it's like, yo, what's going on here, man? Um, so I mean, I'm curious if they can have like a Jurassic, if they can somehow safely do Jurassic Park, really enforce it and stuff like that. They can safely do Jurassic Park. Then I would kind of like the idea of like uh like a video uh, broadcast of that Jurassic Park, and then you can play that at the Raptors' quote-unquote home games in the playoffs. That would, I think, would actually look cool. And it will also kind of be able to, as, as like a flex, almost. Like, look, Canada's actually handling Corona decently well. The States, you're a disaster. You have no fans to show because it's not possible to congregate. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. This is a very small detail. Yep, should be interesting. What's our third seeding game? Uh, uh, man, you're asking a lot of questions. Okay, uh, let me just look at that work right now. <laughs> yeah, the Raptors. difficult question: What's their schedule? <laughs> from the yeah, lead uh, NBA reporter oh, from Yahoo oh, Sports. Listen, uh, buddy, Raptors you're giving Magic, me the Chris right? Boucher. No questions for you, yo. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've ever asked Chris a question, but um, you know, I, I guess I won't. I won't get to it going forward. I mean, look, man, I really don't want any beef with them. Like, I really just, I, 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 I cheer for every single Raptor player, like wholeheartedly, man. Like I, I came on here after Stanley Johnson, you know, hit that and one layup and two free throws and beat like, you know, Wayne's Gabriel on a full court press. And I was like, wow, this guy right here was really contributing. You know what I mean? Like I'm trying, I'm trying over here. I defended McCall multiple times in the season. Uh, Raptors play uh, the magic Wednesday, 8 PM. Um, I know basketball was gone for four months, so we want to watch all of it, but are you sure you want to watch another Raptors magic game? I, I, I never want to see that in my life yeah. again i'm so sick of it i think and it's 100 percent going to be the first round series because i just don't think that yeah dropping this seven especially because I, I isaac is healthy now and apparently he's yeah. gonna be playing so which hey that's fun for siakam right i'm i am 100 sold on us getting the exact same draw as last year Ugh. which yeah, should we, be fun i mean if philly moves up to that like what basically just move to five philly i mean i'd probably pick them over the heat um, yeah, and even if they stay in six, well, no, the, the Pacers can't do shit now, right? Uh, yeah, Pacers are basically locked into six because so they lost the bonus. So yeah, yeah, that's true. That's, yeah, that sucks for them, man, bro. I mean, the Pacers, man. Like, imagine losing the first round all the time. I mean, I can definitely relate, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> that sucks because they've lost in the first round four straight years now. Like, why are you even going to the playoffs, man? <laughs> it's uh. It's been tough, tough sliding for Joe Wolf on. Um, <laughs> all right, Asad, I've taken up a lot of your time. Apparently, you're going to go back to work at, at, at uh, this undisclosed hour. Uh, you know, is there anything you want to plug? Anything you're working on? You know, what are you saying these days? Any any accounting advice? What's going on, man? Uh, nothing really. Um, just uh, oh, the one little bit of news I can do. If you haven't paid your uh, personal tax balance uh, for the year yet, uh, the CRA extended uh, the payment deadline to September 30th. So you have a little bit more time um, if you have some cash flow trouble. Um, just mm-hmm. remember to make that payment beforehand so that way you can avoid any penalties. Um, and if you haven't filed your return yet, um, go, I would 
try to get that done as soon as possible, especially because you might be due some benefits. Um, and that way there won't be any delay on benefit checks and stuff like that because um, they have expanded a fair bit of it. So get on top of that if you have not. Wow. All right. There you go. That's great advice. Um, I, 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 there's uh, reports out there. Um, I mean, no, it's not out there, but uh, reports suggest that uh, you may be featuring more on programs. Is, is there something you can leak in terms of uh, a collaboration in the works? Uh, yeah, apparently uh, people want me to slander more people on a regular basis. <laughs> so I may be doing that. Um, if you guys have ideas on how to slander and like you have slander ideas you want me to kind of spit out there, I'll happily steal your content. Um, uh-huh. I don't... <laughs> I don't have any morals to this. Um, I'm kidding. Uh, but no, I will be... Uh, Can't wait for Chris to run up on you, man. Yeah. Um, I will uh, do look out. I might be potentially uh, hooking up with Alex Wong uh, for a podcast or two. So okay. uh, that might okay. be the works. Wow, there you go. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're the idea is we're going to try to get Raptor Twitter together, make some content because... Uh, look, Raptor Twitter is a great resource, man. It's a great resource. A lot of great podcasts out there. A lot of great voices. Um, shout out Chris Walder. He's he's got his own pod now. He's he's got a he's got a pretty good episode. I mean, he's got a couple of pretty good episodes. But uh, you know, he's doing his thing. Um, you know, Dishes and Dimes is out there. A lot of good stuff is happening. You know, too much hoops is back. Listen, the whole Raptors community very supportive. Everyone really supports everybody. I love to see it. And uh, yeah, we got we got actual games to talk about again. So uh, Asad, thanks for coming on. Uh, listeners, thanks for listening. Uh, KFC, thanks for sponsoring the show. And uh, we'll be back next week with uh, actual games to uh, recap and uh, cover. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 